All right. Well, let's get started. I was reminded to remind you all, thank you, Kyle, is that we've got a very important election this week that we need to make sure we get out and vote. And it's really simple. Just vote biblically and you won't have any problems. So stick with that. So don't forget about that. If you're like me, it's usually when you're driving around and you're seeing the flags, you're like, oh yeah, that's today. So don't forget about that. But uh, anyway, moving right along, well, we have a guest speaker with us today. And some of you know him and some of you don't. And uh, this is a good friend of mine. He is Pastor Craig Adams. He's a pastor out in Ohio. But in his infancy, and I mean infancy, because if you saw the pictures back then, he was the youth pastor at this church many, many, many years ago. He pulled up a picture, and actually, he has a video of him preaching. It was the first video ever against, well, not this backdrop, but a different backdrop here. And uh, let's just say you would be like, does his mom and dad know that he is out there doing that? That's how young he looked. Anyway, but he was coming through, and he's got an incredible ministry and testimony and stuff, so I thought, what a great opportunity. So I am going to turn it over to him, and you don't have to listen to me today. Hallelujah. So here you go. Well, I thank you for your warm greeting today, and it has been nearly 12 years since I've stood in this pulpit. I was thinking about, because it was here that I met Pastor Chris, and uh, he was youth pastor over in Auburn. And um, we became friends at that point and have stayed in touch over the time. But I got to thinking a little bit about Pastor Chris then versus now. And if you had told me, because I was a terrible youth pastor. He was actually a really good youth pastor. But if you had told me that this man was going to become a, a Bible studier, so much so that he turns into a theologian and a powerful teacher of the Word, I, I would have said, you're a liar. Because he is, he's about this deep, and somehow he's become very deep. But I want to say something to you to encourage you, because I know that in the hearts of many people in this area, there is a longing for a move of God, for a revival. And what you have, and what many people miss when they have a pastor like Chris, is that Pastor Chris is preparing you to be able to steward well a move of God. In a lot of places, a move of God happens, and it's the fire and crazy stuff happens, but there's absolutely no stability, and it disappears within a few months. The Word of God, the Bible says, is truth. It's like a fireplace. It, 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 with with uh, all of the surroundings, it's built well, it looks nice. And Pastor Chris has built in your lives a fireplace in which the Spirit of God can move in a healthy way. So a lot of care, and I've, been, I'm, so I've often been on the other side of the aisle from Pastor Chris. I've been the jump around and laugh and be crazy, and I still enjoy that stuff, but I've moved a little more uh, his direction because what I've seen is so often there's been a beautiful fireplace built, but we decide instead of putting the fire there, we build it in the middle of the room without any doctrine or basis or foundation. And what is happening in this house, because you may not know it, but we live in challenging times. You, you might not have recognized yet, but when the Bible talks about the great falling away, that's what we're living in today. And what God is doing in this house is building a people that as it actually gets even more challenging, you're able to stand. Because how many know life is not simple or easy, but you go through stuff? And so as you go through stuff, it is because of the Word built upon the Word built upon the Word that a theologian and teacher has brought you that you are able to stand in the day of trial. And it is also because of that that when God begins to pour out fire again, when the Spirit of God begins to move in a way that is unique and powerful, and I believe that God wants to do that, it is in that time you will be able to stand, you won't get flaky, but you'll go out of this building full of fire and truth to change a people. And so I just commend you with that. That's not my word today, but it was so deep in my heart to understand that when God sends you a teacher, it is to strengthen you. And God is strengthening you here. Now, I want to minister today on the demonic, and, and I'm not a, a demon chaser guy. In fact, most of my ministry, I have been very ignorant of 
demonic entity, of the, the weapons of the enemy, because I've always been, well, we just stand strong and he can't touch us. And the longer that I've been in ministry, the more I've seen where people who seemed untouchable were touched, the more where my own life has had attacks and I didn't understand why. And as I began to study this out, I began to recognize that we have a, a mistheology around the demonic which causes us to ignore his hand, and when we don't see it, when we ignore it, we don't stand against it. And so he ends up having free reign in our life. The Bible tells us, Paul said in Ephesians, he said, don't give place to the devil. That wasn't written to unbelievers out there. That was written to the church. What is that saying? It's saying that it is possible and actually probable that in our lives we give place to the devil. I was studying this out, and recently in our church, I did a long series on this, and we saw some, some amazing testimonies out this. But as I looked at it, I recognized that the demonic realm has two main objectives that it, that it wants to have. What Number one is it wants to keep people from coming to Jesus. And you see it all over out there, hardened hearts and people being pushed away. And, and we were talking about this yesterday, but there's people worshiping Thor and I'm like, that's a Marvel character. What? Like, that's weird. And, but it's demonic stuff out there to blind people to the gospel. And if they fail at that and someone comes in and becomes a Christian, their next objective is to stop you from being fruitful for the kingdom. And they've gotten good at that. I used to say, and I still say this, that Christians could not be demon-possessed. That's not an untrue statement. When you belong to Jesus, you're his possession. But when I began to study this out and I began to recognize some deeper things, the word that is translated demon possession is the word daimonizani. Daimonizani, and I'm going to pull a little Chris teacher moment in this place. If you break it down, the word diamond, of course, means uh, demon, and idzamai means um, to, to and essentially be. Uh, taken by something. And so the greater translation is not demon possession, but demonized. And if you look through scripture, and if you look at life, and if you look at people, you will see often where Christians are demonized. So where's the line between possession and demonization? It's a pretty thin line because when someone submits to a demonic entity so much so that they're now following that, even though they were the possession of Christ and they followed him, there's a place where they can come into such agreement with the demonic that the difference between possession and demonization is, is but a very thin line. So I want to lay out a couple of scenarios and, and then I'm going to get deeper into the word with this. But consider this, there's a woman who is... Uh, overcome by stress all day. Different things keep coming at her all day. She gets home. The kids are going crazy. Now, I have six kids. There's never a moment where they're not going crazy. Uh, in fact, if my wife is watching, I bless you and I thank you uh, because I, I don't know how she stays home with them all day. They would be in public school and uh, I would have a job because uh, I couldn't do it. But they're going crazy and, and and then all of a sudden, as everything is crashing down on her, there's a voice. Now, she's not a drinker. She's not someone who, who is compelled that way. But she begins to be tempted in her flesh to run to something that maybe she used to have. And there's a voice that says, go grab a bottle of wine and pour a, a, a bathtub because you deserve it. And so she begins to do that, and she begins to obey that voice. And over time, what she has succumbed to is she's now running to alcohol to bring her comfort rather than the Word. And over time, she can open a doorway to the demonic. That voice that started that was likely demonic, and I'll prove this out. Or how about this? A man is watching a commercial, and his flesh is triggered by an underdressed woman. His mind is triggered, he feels compelled, and all day long he, he goes through and work is stressful, but he keeps seeing different, different people, different ladies, different, different things that, that he shouldn't notice, but, but his stress and all the stuff that's going on is causing him to feel weak in this area, and his flesh is causing him to look all over, and he gets home after a stressful day at work, and a voice speaks and says, you know what, you deserve a little indulgence, go get on the computer and you know, it's okay because God understands it's been a hard day for you. 
And he gives in and allows a spirit of lust to come in and to take some authority in his life. What tells us that this is a demon? This, a demon, and I'll give you a definition today, and I'm not going to go deep in this, but a demon is simply a person without a body. And I don't want to get into the origins of it. Just understand a demon is a person without a body. If words come into your mind that entice you towards something that is not of God, and it doesn't seem like your flesh, it's not normal, and it pushes you away from God, it is likely a demonic voice looking for a way to enter your life. For example, you're walking in front of someone and you see them drop a 20 or a $100 bill and instantly a voice, and it's a voice, it's not even just a thought, but it's, it's a voice says, pick that up and don't tell them. They wouldn't tell you if you dropped it. Likely, and, and most of us wouldn't fall for that, but likely it is a demonic voice. Demons are defilers. They make you feel dirty and unclean. If you're ever, I, I don't know, if you, maybe you've never had this, but if you've ever had a time where you're worshiping God and a word you don't even use comes into your mind, a filthy word or a, a bad thought or something that's just not of God, and it, it comes into your mind, so often that is the demonic trying to distract you from what God is doing. Now, go with me here. How many of you, a great show on Amazon Prime or Hulu or whatever you watch, you can stay up and watch it all night. You can watch episodes, they call it binge watching, over and over again. But the moment you pick up the Word of God, within minutes you're asleep. Do you know that that could be the demonic triggering sleep in your life? And if you cut it off, you'll see a difference. You know how I know? When I read that, I thought, that's the dumbest thing I've ever read. There's no way. And yet, when I began to pay attention to my own life and my own study and my own... And I began to cut off any influence and, and say, I reject this. All of a sudden, I was able to go more in the Word than I had before without tiredness. We need to distinguish quickly between flesh and the demons. Because the flesh is your old carnal nature. Demons are persons that want to move in and occupy parts of your personality. They want, to, they want to have influence in your life. It's kind of like the flesh is the old dead body and, and the demons are like vultures and they come and surround that old uh, person who you used to be before you were born again. A demonic spirit can strongly influence or pressure you to sin, but it cannot force you to sin. This is why the Bible always refers to the different sinful acts as works of the flesh. Your flesh comes into partnership with the demonic, and if you submit to that voice, that opens the doorway to the demonic in your life. When you look at the works of the flesh, it says they're evident. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, which I tell you before and I told you in the past, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. These things are the works of the flesh. And if you submit to them because voices have come in to drive you towards them, you can actually open up gateways of demonic in your life. Now, this is why that is important to understand. The remedy of taking care of the demonic in your life versus taking care of the flesh in your life are totally different. For the flesh, the remedy biblically is crucifixion. Galatians 5.24 says, They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. It is to crucify the flesh, to say no to it, to deny it, to say, I am not going to walk down that road that I used to walk. But for the demonic, you cannot crucify the demonic. You must expel demonic influence from your, your life. And you cannot switch remedies. This is why, and I've seen this in my own life, there are some things that you are battling. And you cannot get victory over it. And you mortify the flesh and you crucify the flesh and you say no, but you find yourself falling over and over again into that same area. Likely it is because that has been a demonic doorway in your life and you're trying to crucify what you need to kick out. I've seen this with pornography and, and men and women so often is... They try to crucify it. They try to build gateways around it. They try to put all these different things. They try to deny the flesh. But until they deal with that window that has been opened in their life, they keep running back to it. 
So I would say this. You don't crucify demons. You kick them out. You cannot kick the flesh out. You crucify the flesh. So I would, I would make it this, this way. If you're a committed Christian and you read your Bible, you pray, you have regular fellowship, you desire to serve the Lord, you have some kind of special problem, a tormenting thing, some humiliating, aggravating, binding, or enslaving thing that you've tried to remedy, you've fasted, you've prayed, you've, you've reckoned yourself dead, you've got up on the cross, you've laid before God, and it does not change, then you are likely dealing with a gateway an open place in your life of the demonic. One of these that I see so often, and it manifests in people, and I'll tell you a story of a man that got free of this, but when you have anger against people in your life with no accurate source, or the fruit of unforgiveness, where you can't let go of hurts, that can often be demonic in origin. So the question then becomes, how do they gain access to our life? And the reality is it's an open door. It's a place where you have opened your life up to give authority to the demonic and you've rejected the authority of God in that part of your life. One of the clearest ways to do this is through sin. Unconfessed, repented sin. It opens the door to the enemy. Unbelief, strife, hate, all of these fleshly things can open up a way for the enemy to come and to move in your life. Wrong words. And I want to be careful with this. Don't hear what I'm not saying because I get around faith people, and I know this is a faith church, and I'm a faith person, but I get around faith people, and it's irritating because if I've got a cold and I say I have a cold, I'm not opening up a doorway for the demonic to give me a cold. I've already got a cold. Now, I like the language, I'm fighting a cold. I just think that's clearer, better language. So I say I'm fighting a cold. But I have people, don't accept that. I can't, what do you mean? I'm snotting, I'm boogering, I've got man flu, I might die. You know how man flu is, it's terrible. I mean, women don't understand. But And so you're, you're sitting there, and so, so that is, for you to say, I have this, or I'm fighting this, is not opening up a demonic doorway for them to have influence in your life. Here's where you get it wrong. If you're one of those that when cold season starts, you're in the cold aisle getting all the medicines, getting ready because you are saying, I'm going to have a cold. I'm definitely getting a cold this year. That then is giving permission for things to come and attack your life. I tell a story, but my father, and, and some of you know this story, he died when I was 13 years old. And one of the best examples of permission was he went to, with my mother, um, some kind of tarot card reader type person when they were very young. And this person looked at him and said, you're going to die before you are 40. And over the years, he would joke. But he would say, jokingly say, I'm going to die before I'm 40, you know, why does it matter? And he built this case, and, and he had come to know the Lord and, and all of these different things, but he built this case against himself spiritually. Six months before his 40th birthday, through a freak accident, he, his life was taken from him. And I, I was dealing with the Lord on this, and I thought, why, why couldn't you intervene? Why couldn't you stop that? And, and the reality is that when you create permission in your life, you're denying God's hand in that area of your life. Now, can God sovereignly overcome things? Yeah, he can. There's, there's amazing times where his grace has done it. But for the most part, if you have pushed his hand away and you've given permission through your words, and I'm not saying not saying what you already have, that's fine. I hate it when people come up and I want to, they want prayer, but they won't say what they've got because they don't want to speak it out. And I'm like, so you've got to say it. I've got to speak against what's going on. But when you've given permission, you open a doorway for the demonic to come and bring you what you've said. There's a lot of things to this. Words of fear, unbelief. And we often get in that arena what we say. Another big gateway is bitter root judgments that we bring into our life. There's a statement that says hurt people hurt people. And the truth is that 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 plays out over and over again. When someone has been hurt, they've been offended, either out loud in their heart or in their heart, they begin to criticize. They begin to, to, to let that hurt play out over and over again until it lodges in their heart. And when it, brings, uh, when it comes out of them, it actually brings defilement. When, when you have been hurt 
and, and you are unable to hand it to God to forgive, and you think about it, and if you see that person, you're going down the other aisle, and, and, and you, you can't get freedom from that. You actually can open up a doorway of the demonic in your life. You bring out judgment into your life. The Bible says this. It says, in the area of sowing and reaping, judge not that you not be judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And there's a lot to this, but one of the ways that we can take this is if you are walking in unforgiveness towards others, you will have an open gateway of unforgiveness in your life. It'll create all kinds of problems. Recently, a man, after I was teaching on these issues, came up to the altar in our church and there was a unique anointing that morning, and I was praying for a lot of people, but when I got to him, I, I felt the power of God rise up in me, and it crashed into that man in a, a unique and powerful way, and he had never experienced falling out or any of these types of manifestations that we see, some genuine, some not, but he'd never experienced any of that. Power hit him. His knees buckled. He fell to the ground, and I didn't pray for deliverance for him. I just prayed God touch him. But over the, the week after I had preached that message, it had been going over and over in his mind that he, he was harboring unforgiveness. Now, what had happened was 30 years before, 30 years before, he'd gone through a very painful divorce. It wasn't his fault. There were a lot of things that were going on. And this divorce, he, he, he held on to anger. And he thought, if you asked him before, I've forgiven her. Now, you can tell that he hadn't forgiven her. But he held on to that for 30 years. Now, here's a Christian man, comes to church every week, very involved. If you look at him, you'd say he was a soft and sweet spirit, a good man, someone who worshipped God, someone who was on his way to heaven. But in one area of his life, he was harboring this anger. And when the power of God hit him, as he was on the ground, he released that anger. And he said, God, I repent of holding on to this. And I see it now. And I, I thought I had gotten over this. And when he did, a spirit left his life. And what is amazing, <clears throat> because he testified two weeks later, he had walked with a severe issue in his hip, but I don't know all that it was, but not only had that spirit caused him to continue in anger and unforgiveness, and there were times where he would blow up at his family, I didn't even know, blow up at people for no reason. Anger would hit him. Not only was that spirit causing that in his life, but it was causing a physical issue, and both left when that spirit left. And he came to me the week later, I sat in the foyer talking to him, he said it was like being born again again. The power of God has come into his life, and he's free. He didn't think, because we've been told, and maybe you're not told that here, but I grew up in a, in a thing where we're Christians. Once you get saved, you're no, the demons can't uh, affect your life in that way. They can't follow you around, and, and you can't be demon-possessed. And I still hold to that, but boy, you can be demonized and still be a believer. And here was an example of that. And a month later, he's still powerfully free. That same Sunday, there was a man there. Another Christian, good Christian man, someone that I want on my board that, you know, we've talked to and, and, and just, just a, a strong follower of Christ. But there was one area of his life where, where he held on to this need, this drive to have nice things and to make a lot of money. And, and, and it wasn't a godly ambition. Godly ambition's good. If you've got a business, you, need that, you want that thing to thrive. God wants it to thrive. To, to drive and push forward, but, but he would give up important things in order to try to make this thing take off, and, and he didn't realize, but in that, he had gained, access, given access to a spirit. He called it mammon. I don't know what it was called, but a spirit that was driving him to run after the wrong things and to forsake the good things and, and to be focused continually upon what he has and what he's making and what others are making, and that Sunday, he came up. And again, I felt that, that power. I laid hands on him, and I didn't pray for deliverance. I didn't know why they were coming up. There was just an anointing in the room. And, and God took him down to the floor, first time in his Christian life that he'd ever had that experience. And I don't mark that as an important thing, but it was unique in his life. And as he was on the floor, he recognized, he saw the spirit that had attached to him, and he let it go. He cut it off. He said, no more. And the joy that came upon his life. And right now, he's 
uh, in a different job. He's, you know, he's, he's not making as much, and he's, he's trying to come into, content, he, he's come into contentedness for the first time because the business is struggling. But he's happy, he's serving God, and things have changed. These open doors to the enemy, and bitterness is a huge one, opens up problems in your life. A lot of people have stuff even going back to their childhood. Maybe your parent wasn't there for you. You were neglected as a child. This can become a bitter root that you take into future relationships. And your spouse can be at the receiving end of undeserved anger because of what you experienced as a child. Bitter roots are not the hurtful or terrible things that have happened to us. They're not the sins of those who have wronged us. The bitter roots are our sinful response to what has happened to us. Nobody gets through this life unscathed. We all have pains. People reject us. People uh, cause us pain. (coughs) People betray us. And if we can be like Jesus, we keep a clear and closed door to demonic entities. But it is hard to be like Jesus. I grew up in a family, man, you, you remember stuff. You, you, and I, I remember a spirit when I was a child, and I've only now recognized that this was a spirit, but I remember one time there was this, uh, this hotel owner, and I was probably 10, and my cousin was 11, and we were staying at the coast, uh, Oregon coast, and this hotel owner was just an absolute jerk to us the whole week, and, and we didn't get mess anywhere and different things, but she kept blaming us for other people that were doing that she'd go knock on the door at 6 a.m. to scream at my aunt and uncle and and it just made me mad I was just angry and I remember all the way home a five-hour drive I was thinking I'm going to become really good at business and I'm going to buy that hotel I'm going to figure out how to do it where they don't get all the money and I'm going to bulldoze it and give it back to them so they have nothing here my little 10-year-old brain was coming up with with a plan to wreck these old people's lives. That kind of bitterness, that kind of judgment, that kind of, these, these old people are just cranky old people. Some of those are here. <laughs> cranky young people. There's one preaching right now. But you get that thing, and it opens up a door, and you think about how to hurt other people. And, and maybe some of you have buried it, but there's that open doorway. There's just that little bit of something that comes out of you. And because you have come to the thinking that I cannot be possessed, then it has to be flesh, and you try to deal with it as flesh over and over and over again. And this is something that I've recently begun to see wild freedom in people's lives because I was on the other side of that. I was on more holiness, more flesh, crucify it more, get right with God, get to the altar, we'll pray, we'll take care of it. And people would get up and the power of God would hit them and they'd run out and do the same stupid stuff over and over again. I get tired of laying hands on people, watching them fall, watching them experience God, watching them go through stuff, and nothing changed. And I had no grace because I thought if you could just get on your knees and submit to God, then you would have no issues. Just crucify that flesh. I wasn't really looking at my own life to gain evidence of that. But when I began to see that there's two sides of this coin, that some of our problems are flesh, and actually it's the genesis of all of our problems, but some of them have begun to become open doorways to the demonic, that unless we close those doors, those battles are going to keep attacking over and over again. And it's not their fault. What they're getting is keep crucifying. But you cannot crucify the demonic. You have to expel it. These bitter root judgments, these things that happen, the stuff that happens to us, our parents weren't good to us, someone hurt us, these things come over and over into our life. And they cause us to think the wrong kinds of thoughts. Jesus wanted us to deal with it this way. He said, just as you want men to do, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? Sinners do the same. Receive as much back, but love your enemies. This scripture, I'm not a huge fan, honestly. I get up to that part and I'm like, ah, whatever, okay, yeah, give away, blah, blah, blah. But then it gets to this this part where it says, okay, love your enemies. Oh, okay, well, can we stop? Can we stop there? Do good. 
good and lend, hoping for nothing in return. Not just accepting nothing in return, but hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. You ever prayed those prayers, God, get them? God's like, I didn't get you. Pray that prayer like, God, bless them with a new car. Let it come out of heaven in a holy and righteous way. And fall right on top of them. And I prayed those prayers, a lot of new cars. Nobody got them. But God's like, listen, I'm merciful. I'm even good and kind to unthankful and evil people. So you do the same. But we don't. And when we don't act like God, when we act like the other side, we actually open up a doorway to the other side. Well, I will forgive, but I won't forget. What are you remembering then? What are you holding on to then? What, what kind of power is that holding over you? Because I promise you, you haven't forgiven if you can't let it go. I know it's been preached, you know, you, you, can't, you don't let people keep hurting you. Yeah, get out of their life. Like, if somebody's hurting you in your home, get out of there. Get them out of there. You can separate from people, but you better forgive and let it all go. Because that's what God does. Aren't you thankful that God forgives all your stuff and lets it all go? You know what happens with so many people? They don't believe that God can do that because they know they can't. God can't forgive me. I've gone too far. You know what the root of that is? It's the demonic, bitter root judgment that you've done against others, and now it's come back to yourself. And what happens is you become... Here's some examples. A, A bitter root judgment is this. I'm a worthless person. I can't do anything right. I won't try because I can't get it right anyway. I'll never succeed. I'll never be able to get success. Or people close to me will control me. People close to me will hurt me. I won't let anybody in. I can't need you. You'll let me down. I'll never get out of debt. I'm a burden. I'm baggage. I'll leave you before you leave me. I don't want to be part of this family. People can hurt me. So i got to shut them out. I'll never forgive my mom or dad for messing up this family. Mom or dad is cold and unaffectionate. No one wants to hear what I have to say. Bitter root judgments. We can have those against God. God can't love me. God is good to others, but not me. I'm too far gone. And it opens up lies of the enemy to stop us from running to him over and over again. So how do you deal with bitter roots like this? First, got to recognize them. This is one of the hardest parts for Christians. Because we love to put on that Sunday morning mask. Not Pastor Chris. He didn't have any masks. He did the same all the time. Sometimes I wonder, we could have a couple. No, I'm just kidding. But that, that reality, that I'm going to live the way that I am. I'm going to be myself. I'm going to keep maturing. I'm going to keep going after God. But you're going to see me for who I am. That's what God wants. You know that that's what John said. Confess your faults to one another. The prayer of faith will raise you up. How many churches have you been a part of where you could really confess your faults and know you were going to be safe and protected and the people would lift you up in prayer so that you could see healing? That's God's design. No masks, no perfection coming in with our faults to gain freedom because that's what God wants for us. But everything we withhold from one another and withhold from God, we cannot get freedom in. So we do that with these bitter root judgments, these these things, these these things that (coughs) we hold on to. First thing you have to do is forgive the offender. Could be a person. You could be offending yourself with those judgments or God. Repent of the bitter root judgment, that wrong expectancy. Repent of any other sins that are going on which cause you to form that judgment. Break any ungodly, and I might get into this a little bit, soul ties. I don't like that word, but there's not a better one. That is connecting you in bitterness (coughs) to another person. Tell any spirits that have taken advantage of your life through this that they must go in Jesus' name. And ask for healing of any pain from the original situation that God would take an axe to the root of that expectation, that judgment, and cancel it all. And then ask God for a fresh infilling, especially those areas that were so deformed, so hurt by the bitterness. And then continue to walk in freedom. Because once you get free, now you go to the, the word that says, submit to God, resist the enemy, and he will flee from you. But you've got to cut the stuff off first.
What is a soul tie? Oh, is it, do we have a clock in here? We doing okay today? I don't know. I can close at any time. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. I got two hours or 30 minutes of good material to take two hours to get out. So a soul tie, it's not a great name, but it's really a bond. It's a relationship that can be established in your, in your soul, in your body, that then creates a link between you and someone else. The clearest example scripturally is marriage. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. You are in your soul realm tied to that person, tied. And, and so what they bring into the, to, to your house, you are connected to. Now, I, I praise God because there's a grace for those who are currently married to unbelievers that you don't have to walk in that. You can reject it, and you can be the grace covering over your house until your spouse comes in. So don't get rid of your spouse. Paul said don't get rid of them if they keep walking with you, but keep praying, and you can become the grace covering of your household. <clears throat> Genesis 2.24 says, uh, make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same... No, it's Philippians, I'm sorry. Chris is going to look at me like, what's going on? Having the same love, being one in purpose. We, we gain a, a link. There are godly soul ties. When you link in a church and you come into to a, a godly link to a pastor, you're submitted, you're, you're in a, a room like this, and people are praying for you, and you trust one another. You gain a godly soul tie. The, the, there's, a, there's a transference of anointing that is actually a tie that is created between people. You can see this as you pray in a circle. Sometimes you can feel something happening within that circle, and there's a tie that is happening in the Spirit between you and the people that are around you. But there's also ungodly soul ties. There's, there's things that happen, and sometimes it is unjust stuff that has happened. I've seen over and over again young women who were abused by someone, and they grew up with an ungodly soul tie. They didn't create it, but it, it carried with them. And so that tie, that abuse, linked them to this person for years and years. And they may not have seen them, but they were linked to this person. And until they could cut off the bitterness and the pain and cut off, it was allowing spiritual things into their life. Ungodly soul ties that need to be broken for Forbidden sexual relationships, whether consensual or not. Wrong agreements, binding with someone in a crime or even secret societies or coming into a dominating, manipulation, controlling relationship. The church has had more leaders who have created ungodly soul ties with people over the years by dominating, manipulating, and controlling people and not bringing them into freedom. And you ought to thank God that your pastor doesn't do this. Domination characterized by abuse of any kind. Someone's violent or they physically attack you. Or, or I know that people that are tied to their parents and, and, and it's often the mother and the mother is manipulative and controls through emotion and, and there's a soul tie that is there that unless you cut it off, it will drive you over and over and over again to the wrong things. And it's very difficult. How do you break ungodly soul ties? You pray a prayer kind of like this. In the name of Jesus, I break any tie to an ungodly spirit that has come into my life because of a tie established between me and the other person. I break that which is linking me supernaturally. I ask God to remove any ungodly influence of that person and bring back every part of me that is wrongfully tied to any other person through the blood of Jesus. I ask you, Father, to place the cross between me and this person and stop anything that is connecting us now in Jesus' name. And I've seen people get this and get strong. There's times that I've seen infidelity in marriages because of expressed sexual relationships that happened before marriage, and it opened up demonic entities of lust into people's lives. And when it broke, health entered those two that marriage, and that life. Inner vows, and I'll probably just deal with this and then we'll move. An inner vow is a statement of what you will or won't do. For example, I'll never trust again. An inner vow can be good. It can be godly. You can have an inner vow that is positive, that is holy, like I'll never put my kids down like I experienced as a parent. That's a good inner vow. But the problem is the inner vows 
can often become a part of us that we yield to a different authority than God. When you make that vow and you say, I'm never going to trust someone again, then you are pulling the ability of God to say trust into your life. You are pulling the ability for you to submit. You're yanking that away and you're making a vow that you walk in. What Christ does not control is fleshly and always a potential open door to the evil one. So many things are tied to vows and they're so sometimes even flippant. But the deep ones are the ones that take root. And I've, I've heard some like this, I'll never let anyone get close enough to hurt me ever again. I'll never accept myself the way I am. I'll never forgive blank for blank. I'll never give myself completely to anyone. I'll never get married. I'll never be like my father and mother. I'll be perfect, then maybe someone will love me. I'll be strong. I'm going to make it on my own. This one's so common. I will control my own life and be safe. I'll never ask for help. I'll never be able to trust anyone again. I'll never let this happen again. I'll never, no one's going to tell me what to do. All of these things are inner vows, and many of them get made during formative years, and they shape us and shape how we are, and it creates a bitter root in our life that opens doorways to the demonic. Often these inner vows, when they're touched on, will create defense mechanism, automatic anger, anger, bitter root expectations. I can't tell you how many times people have made a vow about authority and they become unpasturable. You can't lead them. You can't do anything. They're not going to submit. Listen, your pastor has to submit. He has to submit to God. He submits to you as a fellow believer. But God has called him as an authority. And so you submit. Trust that God has placed him here. And when people have said, I won't trust authority, and we are living in an age of that, <coughs> there's a power out there that says authority is bad. Authority is evil. Don't trust authority. I'll never submit. And what you have done is you have yanked out of God's hands his ability to speak into your life. Because there's people you need to submit to so that you can grow. There's people that you need to listen to so that you can get further on in life. And some of you are stuck. And you know how I know this? Oh, because that's so me. I don't like authority. I don't like being told what to do. How dare you? But if I look inside, often those voices are straight from God. Telling me what I need to go forward and to make it. And we get defensive and we get these expectations and, and all of this happens. It creates a doorway for the enemy to wreak havoc in our life. Let me say it this way. <clears throat> so many of us saw the, just the, the, the pain and challenge of 2020 and all the things that were going on. And then we had these big justice marches and the BLM marches and all of this stuff. And nobody is going to say that injustice is okay, and that we're okay with people being hurt, and if there is systemic whatever, nobody is ever going to say that. But the problem was that all of those marches in that era, they were, they were gripped by demonic entities of a lack of submission to authority. And yeah, there were injustices that happened, there were painful things that happened, there were some things that were other people's fault, and stuff happened, and it blew up, but it gave power to a spirit that now there's no authority. No authority so much so that basic biology isn't an authority. It's just that true. The schools are filled with trash and trouble. Your, your own biology doesn't matter. It's how I feel. Why? Because I won't submit not even to the basic framework of how I was created. I'm not submitting to that. I'm a cat today. So I need a litter box. I'm a lady. And you look at me and go, that's an ugly lady. <laughs> so, I mean, it's not even a good looking man, but that's an ugly lady. We don't even submit to our own biology. What has happened is in our nation, we have submitted to spirits of rebellion so powerful that it goes against the very core of who we are. And demonic entities have been given access all over the place. I see it even in Christian households. But we can't cast a demon out of these lives because they're Christian. 
No way they could be possessed, but they're demonized for sure. See this over and over and over again. It's sometimes painful because parents, because they're not perfect, they can sometimes hurt us, and, and children can make ba- vows, and, and some parents really weren't good, and some parents even now are challenging and painful, and we can make vows, and, but we, we, we don't break it off because we feel wrong in trying to admit that our parents did wrong. Some, some parents are frankly evil in their behavior and childhood abuse and put people on. And, and, and I've, I've seen this over and over again, parents that beat their children down and you're not good enough, you'll never make it, you're terrible. But then they put some religious spin on it like, well, you've got to submit to your father and mother. And then these kids have no ability, and adults, I'm, I'm talking about your inner child, some of you, to say that your parents sinned against you or evil You don't want to let them off the hook. You don't want to let go of that stuff because you're afraid that biblically I'm supposed to honor them. First, you should never have blinders in regards to sin. Naming sin that has been done against you is not dishonoring the people that did it. If you're to be free of the pain that's been caused, you have to recognize this was wrong. Because the reality is there's some relationships that you have to put boundaries on that you've been unable to up to this point, and it has kept a tie open that has allowed demonic things to keep going back and forth and mess with you. You have to let an awareness come into your mind so that you can deal with it, put the boundaries up, and kick out demons that have come to take advantage of this. I'm not talking about getting revenge, because the Bible says this, don't take revenge, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, as mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. You've you got to address what's in your heart because of what happened to you as a parent. To truly be free, you have to forgive them, create boundaries to cut off whatever that is, and kick that demonic entity out. And parents are often the source, good parents even, can often be the source of our own insecurities because something they flippantly said when you were 13 that has driven you for years and years. And so a good prayer to pray would be, Father, I thank you for creating my father or mother in your image. With all my heart, I forgive them for not becoming all that you created them to be. I forgive them for following sins and say what they committed against you. I realize they needed healing like I need healing, and I'm now receiving from you. I accept my father or mother as they are, an unhealed person in need of grace. Thank you for all you created them to be. Your grace, would you reach out to them and show them your love so they can become the person they were meant to be. I look to you now for all the things I need, needed my father and mother to give me that they couldn't give. Heal me of the woundedness. Bring me to a place where I can love them with your love in Jesus' name. And when you do that, you cut that off, you forgive them, you confess your own sinful reactions, and then you break that. Whatever vow, whatever intrusion, whatever soul tie was created, you cut it off and say no more. That influence will not be there anymore. So we have these these things that happen all in this soul realm. And the reality is that the demonic is always looking for a place to seek wrongful influence in your life, like a, like a thief. John 10, 10 says, the thief comes not to except to kill, steal, and destroy. I've come that they might have life, that they may have it more abundantly. The, the enemy uses mind games and open doors and all of these different areas. And you don't, honestly, you, you don't need revelation of what exactly it was. You don't have to have that. Because if you have, have areas of your life that are demonized, you've recognized, wait a minute, I'm fighting this and I can't get victory. Let me, if, if you don't have revelation of where that was, some people are like, you got to go all the way back and figure it out. You don't got to figure it out. You just got to, you know, I'm recognizing what this is. So I cut it off. I ask forgiveness for my response, and I reject this demonic influence in my life in Jesus' name. Because here's the deal. All of this could cause fear. Oh, man, they've got so much power. They only have power through permission. That's a truth that is never broken by the word. They have power through permission. You give permission through your words, your actions, things that have happened to you that have opened up wrong thinking patterns. But that permission, you can stop. You can cut it off and you can expel them completely and take dominion over your life. And this is what I'm on a mission right now is to help Christians to recognize some areas of their life that they're still fighting in. They need to take dominion. I'm talking about godly, Holy Ghost, tongue-talking, filled Christians, people who are walking right, but they can't figure it out. So they've buried it way down here and it keeps coming out and, and keeps messing with their life. It's probably because it's no longer the flesh. 
but his demonization in a part of your life that could go back all the way to your childhood. Here's the deal. You continually examine yourself. The Bible says to stay sober and alert. You only have to do that if there's potential issues. You continually watch your life. Do not let an enemy come into your life. If it comes, deal with it. Cut it off. You have the power to do that. Now, you can get prayer. That's good. Pastor Chris can pray with you to see release. But you have the power to examine your life and cut it off because you are a child of God. Get your life clean. Get rid of the bitter roots. Get rid of anything like that man for 30 years. He thought he had forgiven, but it kept coming out. And then when God shined a light on his soul, he saw it. And when he released that, he was released, he was released instantly and changed. We're a month and a half on. It's amazing watching the change in his face. And I, he was, he's a believer before. I trusted him. And I still, going back a month and a half ago, I still would trust him. But something had gripped him, and he had to let it go. Stay on guard. Keep the doors closed. You have authority. Resist. My favorite scripture is this, James 4, 7. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Cut it off, submit, and begin to resist, and watch it go out of your life. Here's the deal. <coughs> you can be free today. And what I wanted to give you, number one, is an understanding that the demonic still operates even in a believer's life and can demonize you and cause you to have wrong responses and cause you to live out a way that you don't want to live. But number two, I want you to recognize that you have inside of you the power to resist and to cut it off and to be absolutely free. And some of you could be walking with physical issues that like that man, when the power of God hit him and he released that bitterness, he released that unforgiveness, and that spirit left him, instantly that left too. So this is what I would ask you. I don't know if they have any piano. And um, I would ask you to examine your life, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. Here's the deal. You don't have to come to the altar. There's nothing magical about me. Um, but I'll give you the opportunity. And if nobody wants to come up to receive personal ministry, that's fine with me because you're walking out with tools now to have victory. But if you want to receive personal ministry like those men did, then I'm, we're going to play some music. But while they do that, I want you to examine your life. I want you to look at it and go, okay, where am I not seeing victory? Where am I longing? Where, what have I hidden for so long because I'm ashamed of it and I, the cross isn't working and I can't get free? What is going on inside of me that I know I need to have freedom and I've got to cut it off? I'm recognizing it might be demonic. Ask God, is there anything in my life, any open doorways, anything in my life that I need to, to sever in order to walk in absolute freedom because it is for freedom's sake that Christ has set you free. Nothing should be binding you up. You can walk in absolute freedom and power and joy every day of your life. You can. not saying I always do. I have six kids, remember? But you can walk in that every day of your life. But you got to cut off some stuff. Now, some of you may be sitting there going, actually, I know it's the flesh. I got to keep saying yes to the flesh. I know, that's the flesh. You need to crucify that flesh. That's fine. Get free of that today too. But would you stand across this place if you can? More keyboard if we can. I'm going to pray for you right now. And I want you to repeat this prayer and then begin to examine your life and see if there's anything that God would touch upon. Precious Holy Spirit, I open myself to you right now. Completely. Examine me. There's areas I'm fighting. I want to be free. If there's any doorway, any gateway, anything tying me to someone else that's not of you, show me now. I want to cut it off. I want more of you. I want you to feel every hurt place in my life. I want you to heal it and feel it right now. Now examine your life as God's speaking to you right now, either 
of the flesh or you know it's a spiritual thing and you need freedom. If you have the boldness and you want to receive personal ministry, come up right now. Precious Holy Spirit, I ask for a unique anointing to come into this room right now, that there be encounters with you. Lord, I ask right now, I ask right now that you begin to flood this place with your power. Lord, not just that we feel something good, but God, that we could see absolute powerful freedom. I want you to play it like your life depends on it. Cake the keyboard up way higher. This is for me. You guys just ignore me. It helps me to flow with God, and I want to hear it more. Come on, every voice in this place. For you are holy, holy. Are you Lord God Almighty? I feel an anointing in this place. He is Jesus. You are holy in this place, God. I speak right now from the top of her head to the soles of her feet. Lamb, worthy is the Lamb, for you are holy. Is there anyone else that wants prayer in this place? anybody else wants prayer for any reason we're going to close out the service we're so grateful to god we're so grateful to pastor craig coming up but if anybody wants prayer we'll continue to pray over there 
on the end there. But we're going to dismiss you guys. If anybody wants to leave or needs to leave, please feel free to. If you want to stay, you're welcome to stay. But we're just going to move while the Holy Spirit's still moving. We appreciate you guys. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.